Good morning, heart and soul. So today is a very auspicious occasion for heart and soul. It's a, a very, very, very exciting time. Dare I say, oh, how sweet it is. Yes, yes. So, well, for a few of us, anyhow. For a few of us, this is a very sweet, sweet time. And I am so very grateful. I am still basking in, vibrating in the wonderful, amazing time we had last night. Let me just say that any time with Tammy Hall is a good time. It's a good time. Last night, though, here's, I don't even know if I can, if I have the, the language to, to make this clear, but this is what I'm feeling, is that I always have experienced, Tammy, not just as, as a friend who I love dearly, but as a musician, as an artist, as a genius, I always see her in service to others. So she is, is playing and making others look better. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they're already good in order to, to command Tammy to be a part of it. But she makes whatever she touches all the better. But last night, it was Tammy. It was if she had just taken all of that away and gave us raw, naked Tammy. And that right there was juicy, juicy good. For me, it was a blessing. So, Tammy, I'm going to need you to come out here. Because it's one thing to talk about you, but it's another thing to speak to you. Please join me here. Because what I need to say to you is that I love you. And heart and soul loves you. We, yeah, yeah. There, I'm sure in your, in your life, your professional life, that there are places you go where they don't get, well, I don't know who they are, that they don't already know you, but let's just say that that happens, <laughs> that they have been Rip Van Winkling it, and they don't know you, and they get to meet you at your keys. But here at Heart and Soul, we know you. We know you, we see you, we hear you, baby. And we love you deeply before you play a note. You see what I'm saying? If Whether you play a note or not matters. Well, it does matter. <laughs> but it's not about just that. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to convey? That you're ours, whether you play or not, if you, how you, all that. The main message is that we love you deeply, 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 and we're grateful for you. Deb. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. And so we have 
something for you. It is a commemorative t-shirt from last evening. So this is for you just as a memento for who you are and how you are in and with us. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you so much. Tammy Hall. You belong to us, we belong to you. Thank you. Good, good. Like that was ever a consideration. Well, and so oh, speaking how of those sweet it is. who belong to us and we belong to you. It's true. <laughs> That's true. Beyond, wor beyond words. So we are not only celebrating 14 years of heart and soul being a presence on the planet, we are also celebrating your birthday, beloved Reverend Dr. Andrea. And, and this is just a, a, a token that in no way measures it up to just how much you mean to us from the Ignite leadership and our practitioner court. Know that we, we love you, we thank see you. you, and we thank the divine for you. Thank you. Happy birthday, my sister. Thank you. Thank you. You know, y'all, there, there are often, thank you so much. Thank you, Heart and Soul. There are often multiple things happening in any given moment. So as Ron was speaking, he's, I heard him say, and so we're also celebrating your, and then there was a little pause there. And I thought he was going to put in a number. So you, <laughs> so whatever he said after that, I'm not quite as clear. <laughs> oh, how sweet it is. Yes. <laughs> oh, Lord. So look, thank you, Harden. So I am so, so very grateful. <laughs> and Ron, I'm grateful <laughs> that that was just a pause. So look, we are celebrating 14 years, and that's like a double seven. So look, in numerology, seven is considered to be a symbol of mystery and knowledge and intuition. It's, it's a calling on our lives. It's an awareness. It's a point of awareness and how we can be. It's, it's, so I'm not inviting us to believe in and practice. I'm simply saying that there's some knowledge in the world that gives us some clues about the order of the universe. Does that make sense if I say it that way? So, okay. It's associated with divine and cosmic forces, making it auspicious for various aspects of lives. It represents a full and complete world. So what's interesting about that is that 
I have a personal sense that that's where we are, that we're at a point of completion and we're standing on the very precipice of, of what's next, that there's a calling on our lives. I might be, no, I know I'm not the only one because I've talked to some of y'all, but everybody might not be on that same page. But allow me to say that that is the, the energetic presence at least for me right now in this. So the number 14 is associated with new starts. You better ask somebody. Fresh opportunities, balance, and harmony. Can you see the calling on our life? So the sevens, for me, this is the way I'm claiming it and interpreting it for us, is that that's a huge point of completion. That's like a period a full stop, yes? And then the next is calling to us. And while we are, we have a vision, we have a sense of what that is and what it can be, we are not getting in our own way. So this is a time when we're committed to looking at how do we do this thing? How does it work and how do we work it? How do we allow it to work us? It's all of that that's up for us. So it's a huge question, but we are moving into leaning into the question. We ain't scared. We like question, come on. Come on, question. The answer will be within the question, so we just looking all up in the question, eye to eye, nose to nose, toe to toe, yes? So something is happening. We are aware divine forces are supporting our heart's desires. And that we are, our innate selves are built to thrive. And that our consistent spiritual practice is sure to be rewarded. Yes? You can be with me if you want because we're going with this. Yes? So look, we have, we've been somewhere. There's a place from which we've come. And so this gives you, this video gives us a sense of from whence we've come. And we've been through some things. We've come through some things. We created some things. This, it, let me say thank you. Thank you to my brothers, Reverend Jack and Reverend Angelo. Because what folks don't know is that as we were forming, and I mean the paperwork required, the, the visioning, the looking deeply, putting all of that together. These were my loyal friends who were pouring into what ultimately became Heart and Soul. They were the folks who were with me daily throughout the day, not the once a week meetings. This was the daily every morning. You remember, and Jack, all through the day. And that's how, with a cadre of folks who were visioning and supporting it, but I just want to do a shout out to Reverend Jack and Reverend Angelo for standing with me and making this happen. Check this out, please.
That's our heart and soul 14th anniversary choir. Yes. Daria Johnson on drums. That was Thomas Hughes on bass. That was Annie Safford on, on sax. And Tammy Hall. Oh, sookie, sookie now. Yes. Yes. Stir up the gift. Now, y'all know that that's from 2 Timothy. And one of the parts of that that I love, that I particularly resonate with, would be a better way to phrase it, is that Paul, in writing to Timothy, who is incarcerated, is saying, like the folks where I grew up would say, I know your mama. I know your people. Don't you act like you don't know. So today, I'm coming to you saying, I know who you are. Don't you act like you don't know. Don't you act like you were born with a spirit of fear. Don't even try that. Y'all remember the people who would say, don't even try it. Don't even start with that, because you know it's not true, and I know you know it's not true. So that's the role I'm playing today. I've come to say, I know you know better. I know that you know that you have a spirit of power, one of love, one of discipline. And I'm going to talk to the discipline part some. So bring that to the forefront. Bring the discipline part forward so that it can have a listening for this. Because in order to do what I believe is unfolding for us, we're going to have to bring the discipline part to that. We're going to stir up the gift of God, which is the power, the love, the discipline, the joy. We're going to go through all of that. Yes? Yes, yes, yes. So look, here's the thing about that. I, at least here's what I think. I think that this discipline that I'm speaking to is going to require that we have an awareness of the straight and narrow. Now, I know when I first heard the scriptures that spoke to the straight and narrow, I didn't really like that. That wasn't, that wasn't ever one of my favorites. But now I'm coming to realize that it really is a teaching. It's, it's saying you can't do everything and have the kind of outcomes that you are declaring you want. You can't say everything and have the kind of outcomes that when you finally decide to say I declare, and whatever follows that, that you have now just simply erased by a new thought. That there is a discipline required to know something and be consistent in that. And then when you know better, you do better. When you realize that affirmation, I used to say, I'm getting ready to erase that. But the straight and narrow means that, well, look at here. What does Neil Maxwell say? He says on the straight and narrow path, there are simply no corners to be cut. Don't even try it. Because some of y'all, you know who we are. We're the ones who can find the loop. We can find the way that we, no, I'm going to do it this way. And I'm going to expect the same results as the people had who did it the way that was recommended the way that was taught, the way that is proven, I'm going to go another way and I'm going to expect the same results you had. Now, somebody would say that that's just, I'm choosing my words here, not wise. 
That's where I'm going to land it. That's not wise. So look, in Matthew 7 and 14, I'm sorry, 7, 13 and 14, it says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. You can be out there all in the wilderness. And there are many who go by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So look, I want to try a little something with you. Do y'all know what chair dancing is? Show me a little bit, just so I know that. All right, I thought so, because what? This is heart and soul. And, and one of the things I noticed from the video is that while we have a, we have a solid spiritual practice, we parties. That was clear from the video. We parties. <laughs> so, so it's going to be a both and. So this morning, I'm calling us into a both and. We're going to do a little cheer dance. All right. Maestro. So the straight and narrow, right? Just right here. Right here. Right here. Now, uh-uh. Now, uh-uh-uh. Some of you are, uh-uh. I didn't say nothing about all this. This was not, uh-uh. I said what? Right here. Right here. Yeah? Come on, right here. That's all we doing. I know y'all got other moves, but we not doing that right now. We doing this right here. Yes, this right here. All right, the straight and narrow. We got other moves we could be doing, but we not doing them right now. We doing this. Yes. All right, so we want to just, all right, I see you gone, girl. Yes, that's it. So we're going to lock this in. Yes, just right here. So when I say straight and narrow, this is what I want you thinking about. Use other other stuff you could be doing. I know y'all could do some. Ooh. I know y'all could. I know y'all could. But we're not doing that. We're doing this. Right here. Right here. Lock it in. We got this locked in. This is our straight and narrow. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So look. So look. Where I got that is from Will Smith in Hitch. Now, he's a different kind of teacher than I because he actually slapped a guy. I'm not slapping. Well, which guy? Uh, the guy in Hitch. But look, the idea here is, the idea is that if we just bring it in to what works. Now, often I assign a movie and we'll go see it together. This ain't that. I'm simply borrowing something from the movie, so don't, don't get carried away with it, okay? I'm just borrowing this little bit. So look, in this movie, we are, what we can get from this is something you said, Amon. You said, no breaks. There are no breaks. He said, no breaks allowed. He said, be careful about taking breaks, because you have something in the oven. Now, here's the thing. If you're not cooking nothing, you can just be on break. But my guess is, if you're here, you got something cooking. Why? Because heart and soul is that kind of center. If you come in here, you either are wanting to cook something up, you got something cooking, you've been cooking and wanting to bring it to fruition, this is what we're doing here. So I know my tribe. So you got something in the oven. You can't afford to be on break. 
acting like. In fact, we just had a situation in there where somebody put something in the microwave, and it was just, you know, what microwave does. If you do it more than a few seconds for that, and sure enough, they got distracted. They won't break. They were not focused on what they just put in the microwave. And when they got it out, it was a brick. I'm trying to tell you something, and I'm not really talking about what happened with the little croissant. I'm not, I know it sounds like I am, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our lives. I'm talking about our lives, that when we're not paying attention, when we think we can move off of what we locked in, the straight and narrow, we doing this. Why? Because it works. That's just metaphorical. We're do when you start thinking about, I'm not going to do what I know my disciplined self is having me do, you don't break. You're on break. You're not paying attention. And the call today is to pay attention. You see, for me, I feel like this is a hitch moment in time. It's calling us into focus. It's calling us into discipline. Stir that part up. That part of your makeup that is the focus, the discipline, the consistent spiritual practice. Oh, what practitioners here, at least I did as a coach and practitioner for so many years, as I already tried that. And there's a part of me that just wants to say, well, then you're excused. You know what I mean? If you're done, then why are we here? But we're probably here because you're not willing to be done with that yet. But that means you're going to have, if what you've been doing hadn't worked, then... I'm waiting for the light bulb, yeah? The light bulb that says, well, maybe I'll try something else. Maybe I'll listen to see if there isn't a distinction here, if there isn't another aspect. Maybe it's the same thing, but maybe I'm doing it from another consciousness. Maybe it's the same activity. Maybe I'll go to the same place. Maybe I'll be with the same people, but I'll bring something different within me. Maybe I'll know something different about the situation. Maybe I'll just respond differently to it. How about that? How about that? Same stuff, same people, but I'm going to be different. They're going to be doing what they do. You know Thanksgiving's about to come. You're going to have a pop quiz. You're going to have an opportunity to test all this out. Same people knew you. Different response is a possibility. I'm not that deep in your business yet. It's just a possibility. You can choose. You can choose how are you going to be in this. 2022 and 23 decided that that was going to be my lesson, or I guess I was going to die. I'm not sure. I mean, it really just took it on. It was like it was going to turn me, as my mama would say, every way but loose. And so I finally, I was a slow learner. Normally, I show up kind of bright. I'm looking for a little encouragement here. <laughs> Just a little encouragement, like somebody, like somebody thinks maybe, <laughs> ordinarily. But given this life experience, slower than slow. And what it really meant was I was refusing to get it. Absolutely refusing to get it. So look, but that doesn't have to be for us because as we are, ex our call is really to expand our faith. 
expand our faith, to be aware of what is it that we believe, and then maybe choose again. Because sometimes when we do that inner inquiry, we realize that, mm, I don't want to believe that anymore. That's no longer serving. And so the powerful place to be is to then choose again for, to create, to develop rather, a mental equivalent for the outcome you do want. Because the life we're living right now is the one we've created. No blame, no shame. It's just we've been busy building this life by right of consciousness. And so now we have it, and we looked it over, and we're like, mm, not especially. And so we choose again. We choose again and start designing from the inside out. We start imagining, so what could it be if it wasn't this? We got work to do. That's why we have the classes. It's not as simple necessarily for everybody to sit in here on a Sunday morning with all the other distractions and life going on in your mind and then transform your life by Tuesday. It's not realistic. So the idea is to, it's like dipping the cloth in dye. You know, it takes up some of the color the first dip, but that's not necessarily the color you're after. So you keep dipping it. You keep dipping it like you do your consciousness. You continue to dip it into the ideas that you're willing to embody. And you don't just accept whatever's happening as what is intended for you. You have dominion in that way, yes? Yes, so look, not only, this is what Ernest Holmes says to us, he says, not only must we have complete faith in spirit and its ability to know and to do, but we must have complete confidence in our approach to it. We must not be lukewarm in our convention, in our conviction. Sorry, in our conviction. We must not be lukewarm. Kind of, some I do, some I don't. On a good day, I'm going to do it. The rest of the week, not so much. He's saying we cannot afford to do that. We must know what we know, and I'm going to add all the time. Now, part of that, part of what we're going to focus on in 2024 for sure is how to. So it's easy to say, it just kind of rolled off my tongue, didn't it? But the how-to is, is more specific. So how do we do that? I'm going to start you off right here. We must learn to listen to divine guidance. We must learn to listen to divine guidance, to open ourselves in ways that we can hear the divine, that not only can we hear it, because hearing, you know, is just function. It's saying that your, your auditory system is functioning correctly. Does that make sense if I say it that way? That when you hear something, it just, it's like you've been to an audiologist and they've given you clear. Like, yeah, you can hear. That don't mean you're listening. Listening is an entirely different function. And frankly, listening has nothing to do with whether you can hear. To just take the headset off and throw it. <laughs> Listening is totally unrelated to whether you can hear. The deaf can listen. I need you to hear that. So look, 
Um, Donnie McClurkin wrote a song, Speak to My Heart. If I can hear from you, divine, knowing, then I'll know what to do. Why? I won't walk alone. I'll never go on my own. Speak to my heart.
y'all heard that lyric, right? Speak to my heart. If I can hear from you, then I'll know what to do. I won't go alone. I'll never go on my own. Yes? Oh, speak to my heart, Lord. That was the heart and soul, 14th anniversary choir. Yes, give it up. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Speak to my heart. Oh, that, that right there is my favorite. It, it is absolutely my favorite. Thank you. That's why you thank you. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to like get back in my body around it, you know? Thank you, Donnie McClurkin, because that is just says so many things. It's the song that, that I play for me to help me straighten it out, to help me, <laughs> to help me get back on the straight and narrow, to know what is it that I'm listening for? What voice am I hearing? What am I tapping into? That's how I use it. But look, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that I love you exactly as you are. Exactly as you are right now. I love you. And you're going to have to change. <laughs> Both things are true. I love you, and you're going to have to change. Unless you're drawing your last breath right now. And my prayer is that nobody in here is that that's their experience. But if you're drawing two more breaths, you're going to have to change. Because that is the nature of life. The nature of life, especially when we look at it as its highest expression, it is a function of each one doing their best. Each one, not compared to each other, but what's your best? And the change is that you'll awaken with another sense of what that is. That that you did yesterday, you've already done. Now, it may be for you to do again, but you're going to bring something else to it. Because you can no longer bring the, beginner, the beginner's mind to exactly that thing, but you can bring the beginner's mind to whatever is next for you. You can see it, what, through new eyes. You can experience it through a new heart expression, a new openness. Is any of this making sense? Okay, because y'all looking like, I don't know what I did to you. All right. So Neville Goddard says this in Your Faith is Your Fortune. He says, only as you, you could say, only as I am willing to give up my present limitations and identify, can I become that which I desire to be? You're going to have to change. You're going to have to give something up unless your intention is to stay exactly where you are. Exactly. But none of us wants to stay exactly. We, we want to expand. No matter how good it is, we're like, okay, look, I'm going to push that good out a little bit and see if I can experience a little more health and well-being. See if my relationships can't vibrate at even a higher love tone. See if the peace that I already have, see if I can't just have a little more peace. 
first thing in the morning, midday, before I go to bed in peace. You, you see what I'm saying? It's not, I'm not encouraging greed. I'm just saying, no, you. And declare your highest and best. And know that not only is it possible that you have the wherewithal to call it forth, but there's a way to do it, yes? Ernest Holmes says, this is how we can do this. He said, we should be sure to erase from our consciousness any sense of lack. Now, part of me feels like I should pause because some people need to leave now. Just, just so that they can go and handle that. Just so you understand, sometimes I feel like that. When I'm in a good message, I feel like I just need to put my hand up and say, excuse me, because i got to go journal. You know, excuse me, because I need to go pray. Excuse me, because I need to sit and center on that thought. You know, and I don't actually leave, but that's my thought. So there's a part of me that feels like I should allow for some folks to just go to be with that idea that whatever lack is in their life is connected with a sense of lack in their thinking. Not shame or blame, just it helps when you understand how life gets to be the way it is. Hope this is making sense. Ernest Holmes says, I'm going to go back. He says, we should be sure to erase from our consciousness. Why am I trying to read that little bitty print? We should erase from our consciousness any, 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 any iota, any little tiny bit or piece of a sense of lack. He says, we erase thought from consciousness by pouring in an opposite thought. Now, that may not make sense, how you pour in an opposite thought. And, and some of us, we really give into any confusion. You know, like if that didn't make sense, we just tune out. We'd be like, well, I don't get that, and so I'm going to think about something else right now. I'm going to invite you back, and we're going to work with it. This notion of erasing thought from consciousness by pouring in an opposite thought. It's a little tricky, but we're going to work with it. He says, this thought meets the other and neutralizes its effect. I hear you. That don't make it no better. It's not no clearer now. He says, it rubs it out just as we rub a chalk mark off a board. Well, we haven't used a chalkboard in how long? <laughs> so for some, we're like, what? What? All I remember was getting the dust on everything. That's not helpful, Ernest. He says we must maintain a consistent, positive, aggressive mental attitude in the truth. Now, there are not many places where you're invited to bring an aggressive mental attitude to something. But in this case, can you see that it would work because you're determined to get rid of that thing? So you're going to have to, you're gonna have to stand your ground and say, now look, sometimes I just say, you know, in the vernacular, get thee behind me. Don't mess with me now. And then I go on to invite in the thought because I would already told that other to get out the way and it, it knows my voice and listens. And I don't want to hear nothing about whether that's sound thinking. So look, here, here's, here's what I can offer you as a how-to that I think makes sense to this generation. Watch this. Whiteboard. Refer there's not, out of five conversations, three of mine with Reverend Jack will include us wishing we had a whiteboard. Because as we go through ideas, for sure one of us is saying, God, I wish I had a whiteboard so we could, so we could diagram the thing and whatever. Yeah. So if you do that enough, can y'all see the slide? 
Y'all know what that is? That's a dirty whiteboard. That's a whiteboard that we've been using and we didn't erase and we used again. And now it has all the traces of everything we've ever written on it. Yes? So trainers know what to do. Some of y'all just have to buy a new whiteboard. And some of y'all think the little spray stuff is going to work and you're going to be able to use, use the whiteboard. And some of that spray stuff means you're not going to be able to use the whiteboard in a real meaningful way ever again. Here's what experienced trainers do. They go over whatever was written before with a new whiteboard marker. Look at here. So you got the cat up there, but you have to go over it with a new, you better act like I'm telling you something. You got the word up there. You take a new marker and you go over it. You, don't have, you can do that, but you can also literally go over the letter. Literally, that, that seed that's baked in, you take your new marker, Make sure it's a whiteboard marker. But you can get uh, a permanent marker. You can get those others off by this very tick. Ooh, she is saying something up here right now. Look at here. Wait. Even if, did you, did y'all you, miss that? Even if, ooh, look at here, look at here. Wait. Even if you think it's permanent. Even if you, I hadn't thought about that. Even if you think, because your mama's mama said it to you. Like it took me a while to work out some stuff Granny had said to me. So even if you think all your life that's all you heard about you, even if you're thinking that the people you love the most said it and it hurt the worst and it's the deepest cut, even then you just go over it. You just go over it. You go over it. You see yourself in your mind's eye with that marker going over that hurt with the new idea. Now, you know they sell the little bitty whiteboards. So don't be shy. Just get yourself a whiteboard. If, if in mind you can't like, you know, everybody hasn't developed the imagination that they could just work with it. If you can't, you got, if you, what they say, if you can't walk on water, get a boat. So if you can, if you can imagine it and you can hold it and you can work with it, then do that. If not, get yourself a little bitty whiteboard and just have it be the representation, the metaphorical, kind of like how we locked it in. You see what I'm saying? You're going to have to do the work and figure out how am I going to bake this in my consciousness so that I can be different so that I can show up different, so that I can speak different, so that I can think different, so that I can believe differently and more alignment with. Is any of this helping? Okay, there were two people here and three, there are few, there are few people who, okay. All right, because maybe critical mass stuff will work. Look, I ain't done though, because this, if, if you need some other examples, what is this that I got here all wrapped up? It is Play-Doh. Now, why do I have Play-Doh? Pray tell. Me. Why me? Why would I be up here with Play-Doh? It does? Not especially. Not, that's not the reason. <laughs> that's not the reason. Look, here's why Neville Goddard says this. To impress the subconscious 
with the desirable state, you must assume the feeling that would be yours had you already realized your wish. So you're right here. Your vision is over there. This is what I'd like for it to be. It's in your journal. You got your vision board up. You got all the stuff so you know what it is. But you ain't there yet. So you're going to have to Play-Doh your way to be in there. Put the impression. You, is this what we used, y'all, with the funny papers? That was silly putty. I get them confused, but I'm getting ready to conflate them intentionally. You are going to put an impression on your Play-Doh. Now, I don't care whether, I'm not, I don't have no stock in Play-Doh. Do not go out and buy Play-Doh. Just imagine that because your mind is that malleable, that you are forever putting an impression in it. Forever. You're forever putting some kind of impression in it. You are, and then, but see, here's the thing. Once you look at that and you're like, oh, that wasn't what I intended to do, guess what you do? That idea of I made my bed and so now I got to lay in it, not for a moment. You do not have to throw those covers back and crawl in there. You do not sleep on the floor. Before you get in a bed in a thought condition that is not serving you or supporting you. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know who by name, but somebody, this is their message. So in defining your objective, whatever it is that you are desirous of, you must be concerned only with the objective itself. It ain't your business how and when and who. Yeah. There are two people who get this. It's not your business. You meddling now. Your business is your consciousness. This part right here. What you doing with this part? That's your business. You set it and then you do you. You work on you until you cannot tell that you're not there. Look at here. When you start getting dressed for the thing, and then you realize that the thing ain't even happening yet, then you'll know you're there. But if you haven't picked out no drag for it, it's not happening for you. The relationship, if you haven't done nothing but talk about it, if you're not feeling it so that you've already prepared that side of the sofa, or the futon, see, I ain't crazy. I ain't crazy. So if you haven't like, you know, if you don't got but one plate, you at least, do you see what I'm saying? There's some kind of, like you do with the rest of your life. You getting ready to go, you lay your little clothes out, you call the people, you do whatever. So you must be doing the equivalent activity for whatever it is you, your heart desires. And it's beyond just telling somebody that I want it. It's you invested in it. So look, let me tell you what Neville says. He says, the manner of expression or the difficulties involved are not to be considered by you. It's none of your business that it's hard or it's difficult or that it could take a whole year. That's none of your business because you don't know. Talk to people who are declaring miracles. Listen to the testimonies carefully and you realize that prognosis is but somebody's opinion. And you can buy into it or you can hold another idea. I'm just saying. 
He says, therefore, if you dwell on the difficulties, the barriers or the delay, the subconscious by its very selective nature accepts the feelings of difficulties and obstacles as your request and proceeds to produce them in your outer world. That is the answer to why does this happen to me? That's the answer. A change of impression results in a change of expression. Real talk. So look, what does it take for you to impress joy on and into your life and experience? What if the opportunity what if your opportunity, thank you, Aunt. What if your opportunity today, right now, is for you to impress? Throw me my, uh, Aunt, throw me my, uh, my Play-Doh. I need my Play-Doh, babe. Thanks. So look, what if, your, what if you were to impress joy? What? Not just joy, unspeakable joy unspeakable joy. You don't even have the words to describe just how good you feel, how, how life is shifting for you in miraculous ways. What would it take to impress that on your consciousness? What would it take so that you would declare this truth? In the morning, I got joy. In the noonday, I got joy. In the midnight hour, I got joy. This joy, the world can't give, and the world can't take it away. Come on, choir. Come on. <laughs>